This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning in to Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me or rejoining me here on my show, Carpe Diem. I am your host, Lisa McDonald, going live with my wonderful guest, Joel Roberts. And as I always do with my guests before I turn it over to Unscripted Dialogue, I'm just going to plug uh, and give a little bit of an, uh, bio information here on Joel. Uh, so Joel Roberts is a former primetime talk show host on KABC Radio, Los Angeles, the radio capital of the world. He spent over 5,000 hours behind a microphone in both radio and TV and became a master at grabbing an audience fast and keeping them long. Ten years ago, Joel founded his media and communications company with major publishers and Fortune 100 companies as his clients. Publishers like Hache and Simon and & Schuster, huge real retail companies like Walmart and Target, leading pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer and Novartis, and recently Lockheed Martin, one of the top aeronautical corporations in the world. His clients have been on the cover of Time Magazine and every major TV and radio show you can name, including Oprah, The Today Show, CNN, The BBC, Good Morning America, 60 Minutes, and 2020. He coaches major politicians, CEOs, celebrities, and these days he travels the globe teaching communication secrets to thousands upon thousands of entrepreneurs and business people in Singapore, Rome, London, Sydney, Melbourne, Germany, and Malaysia. He's also trained more best-selling authors than anyone on the planet, including number one book franchise in America, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Joel is their official media coach, Jack Canfield, author of The Success Principle, the late Stephen Covey, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, five of the authors in the mega hit The Secret, and the number one best-selling author of The Millionaire Mind, our own Harv Ecker. Joel is his media coach. Joel is a master of the message. He will show you how to communicate about your business in a way that will grab attention and move people everywhere. He calls the language of impact, and it's the most important language you will ever learn. So please help me welcome Joel Roberts. Joel, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me today. I'm so grateful and excited to have you here today. Welcome to my show, Carpe Diem. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, it was uh, it was lovely talking to you yesterday. It was kind of uh, somewhat of our introductory to one another, although we were connected as a result of the enlightened bestseller Mastermind. And uh, very grateful to Janet and Chris Atwood and Marcy Shimoff and Jeff Affleck, who were a part of that, who... Uh, through the training, put us in contact with one another, uh, given that this is what you do for a living, uh, portion of it anyway. So what I was mentioning to you on Skype yesterday in uh, preparation for today, what I like to do is kind of ask my guest the inception of the journey. So based on all your successes, all these wonderful accomplishments and achievements, can you just walk us through, Joel, a little bit about how you came to tap into what this gift is that you have? Well, 
I think you've used a word that really is the most appropriate word. Um, it It is a gift. And in that sense, and this is not false modesty. This is not being spiritually correct. This is being as true from my heart as I'm capable of being. Whatever it is that I have that has made me a communicator since I was three years old, in a very, very real way, I simply can't take any credit for it. I, I, I come from an intensely verbal family. I was the youngest child by a decade. So all these factors kind of conspired to produce a young kid who had, who had to develop a certain facility with the language in order to interact with all of the adults around him. And I always knew from a very, very young age that my work would be in the communications field. I didn't particularly aspire to becoming a radio talk show host until that opportunity presented it itself to me later in life. And we can get into that. Mm-hmm. I did not, I did not ever know that I would be doing what I'm doing now, which is running around the planet, standing up <laughs> in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people, sometimes at a time teaching, which I love. I'm telling you, I love at least beyond my capacity to describe. So I could not have predicted the precise form that all of this would take. But I think it was obvious from a very, very early age the direction that it would take. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Fantastic. And so, you know, and for all of us, you know, we can't necessarily um, predict what our future holds. But, you know, being in the world of personal development and having the gift that you particularly have, I mean, you know, at a very young age before you maybe were able to even define it or term it as setting intentions or manifesting do you believe that you wound up on this path, uh, part and parcel as because of the gift itself, um, but because you sought out the opportunities that, that aligned you with the right people, and then therefore these opportunities presented themselves? How did you maneuver through that? Well, that's a really, really good question. And I think the most honest answer I can give to that is part of it was intention, part of it was focus, Part of it was sheer dumb luck. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously. And I'll tell you a story since we have a little bit of time. Please do. My whole radio career began by accident. Um, I was not a heavy listener to talk radio. I was living in Los Angeles, which was, which remains the radio capital of planet Earth. By the way, I should explain that New York is the overall media capital of planet Earth. But since New Yorkers commute underground on the subways and Angelinos, as we call Los Angeles residents, commute above ground on the freeways, the number two market overall, L.A., defaults out as number one when it comes to radio. Hmm. So I was living in L.A. and uh, I was like, I don't know, 29 years old and I... I had aspirations in the entertainment industry. Like everybody else in Los Angeles, I kind of wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a screenwriter. I wanted to do things like that. And I got hired by this group of radio stations as a salesman to sell ads and also to produce special projects and write ad copy and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and, um, as part of that, one day I sold a promotional package to Warner Books, 
which had published a book, a very famous health and diet book called Fit for Life. I don't know if you've ever heard of Fit for Life. I have. Okay, great. So the authors of that book had written a second book, and it was about to come out. And um, the whole Life Expo was going to happen in L.A. So our radio station, I had the idea that we would do this big promotion with them. So long story short, Harvey and Marilyn Diamond, who uh, wrote Fit for Life, their publisher bought a promotional package with our station, which included having the authors be interviewed on our airwaves. Well, there was just one problem. None of our disc jockeys wanted to interview these people. <laughs> They just weren't in the, you know, they were music people. They weren't talk people. So the general manager of the station came to me and said, you've got to be the one to interview these people. And I said, I've, I've never interviewed anybody in my life. And he said, well, great. You got a week to prepare. <laughs> and um, so I, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But there was a very, very famous health center in Los Angeles called the Pritikin Longevity Center. And it was walking distance from our radio station. So I made an appointment and I went over there one day and I interviewed their chief nutritionist about fit for life so that I would be reasonably intelligent, you know, and conversant on the matter when I asked Harvey and Diamond, uh, Harvey and Marilyn Diamond questions in these interviews. So I ended up in the studio with these two authors, and we recorded three 30-minute segments that were going to air on three successive Sundays. Well, now here's the good news, bad news. Here's, here's how I almost died before I was born. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, truly. So, you know, this guy at the Pritikin Longevity Center, he gave me some really intelligent questions to ask these people. And it turned out that some of their theories were kind of, putting it charitably, problematic. Mm -hmm. I mean, for example, they said you should never mix a protein and a starch at the same time. Well, broccoli has both protein and starches, and you can't exactly cut the broccoli in half and separate them out. You know, <laughs> So I, I asked them these questions, and at a certain point they said, stop the tape. you, you got to remember, Lisa, this was my first interview in my entire life. <laughs> And these were famous people, right? They're rich. Uh -huh. They're rich, famous people. And they tell me, I'm a, I'm a nobody. They tell me, stop the tape. I thought, mm -hmm. oh. So we stopped the tape. They said, you know, we don't really like the direction of this. We feel like you're being too confrontational with us. I thought I was being about as polite, polite as I could be. But anyway, so they insisted that we take that reel of tape off the recorder and put on a new reel and record three new shows. Mm -hmm. Well, two days before the first of those 30-minute installments was going to air, they rescinded the rights to broadcast any of it. Oh, no. Right. So the owner, not just the general manager, the owner of the radio station brought me to the station and said, good God, what have you done, man? We <laughs> We, we, we got money at stake here. You know, you're, you're going to ruin our reputation everywhere. And I said, look, I'm sorry. I warned you. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, la, 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 la. Uh-huh. So the first Sunday, that first installment aired, what they did is they took me off 
the recording completely, and they went in the studio by themselves, and they recorded something with no host. Okay, now it's the, now it's the following Monday. I'm almost done, but you're going to love this conclusion. Now it's the following Monday, and uh, you know. The owner of the station comes to me at my desk and says, well, you know, we survived the first weekend. He said, but I'll tell you what, I would really love to know what it was you did that offended these people so much. Do you have the original tapes? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, God, I should have learned from Richard Nixon. I should have burned the tapes. <laughs> but the fact of the matter was I had the tapes, the original tapes, you know. Right. And I said, well, you know, Jack, uh, uh, these tapes, they have not been dubbed a cassette yet. He said, don't worry, my wife and I have a reel-to-reel recorder in our home, and we want to hear these original tapes. Mm-hmm. So I, I gave him the tapes, and that, that evening I went over to my girlfriend's apartment, my girlfriend at the time, and I told her what happened, and I said, I believe I am going to be fired tomorrow. Wow. And, she, and she listened to the story, and she said, yes, you're going to be fired tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what? I don't want to be fired in front of all my buddies. So I'm going to show up at the station and six at six in the morning. I'm going to empty my desk. I'm going to clear out of there and just leave forever. So I showed up at the station at six the next morning. I emptied my desk and I was walking out with the last of my boxes and in walks the owner of the radio station. And he says to me, what are you doing? I said, well, uh, just cleaning up a little bit. He said, sit down. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I thought, here we go. And he said, my wife and I listened to your three shows last night, and we believe that you are a born broadcaster. Wow. And I said, don't worry, Jack. I'll leave now, and I'll never come back. It's okay. You're totally justified in firing me. And he said, I don't think you've heard me. He said, we think you are a born broadcaster. And and not only that, we want to give you your own show on our airwaves. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. And I and I said, you want me to have a show? We're a music station. What's my show going to be about? <laughs> and, and he said, well, you know, Sunday mornings, we've got this public service hour, like from 7 to 8. We want you to host that. And since this was a health interview... Do a health show. I said, I don't know anything about health. (laughs) He said, great. Then you'll ask the questions that the lay public wants to hear. You'll represent that perspective really well because you're not an expert. And the bottom line was that started my career in radio. And within four years after that, I was prime time on KABC radio doing a completely general issues show, every topic under the sun. And that's how it all started. That's amazing, Joel. That gives us hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I thought I was dead meat, and it turned out I was just being born. Wow. You know, isn't it funny how some people can, you know, take a look at you and garner something so po- completely polar opposite to somebody else? And I'm so happy for you that these people wanted to check out your reels and see and recognize that you had this god gift talent. So good for you. Thank you. That's amazing. And so do you believe then, um, you know, when you talk about L.A. and you talk about the hub and, you know, uh, all that goes on in L.A., do you think some of this has been, some of your success has been a result of the fact that you did, in fact, live in L.A.? 
everything that I have now, I owe to the fact that I did 5,000 hours behind a talk radio microphone in Los Angeles. Wonderful. Everything I have stemmed from that. But I never planned to leave talk radio about 12, 13 years ago. I had a life-changing accident one day that... um that rendered me half deaf in 10 seconds. I was exposed to a very, very loud noise. I was at a big event in front of a bank of loudspeakers and the audio engineer hit the wrong button and I got blasted and I'm literally, I literally lost half of my hearing in 10 seconds. Wow. And even worse than that, I developed very, very severe tinnitus or tinnitus, which is noise in your head. Uh, a lot of times people have ringing in their ears after a rock concert, but I had like a jet engine in my brain that didn't go away for four months. I couldn't hear human speech for four months. Wow. So I had, to reinvent, I had to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. I couldn't broadcast anymore because I can't wear headphones for, you know, 25, 30 hours a week the way I used to when I was full-time in radio. Mm-hmm. So suddenly after having worked my butt off, you know, to get to prime time. I was in what they call afternoon drive, Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 p.m., uh, with a partner, a famous guy in L.A. named Steve Edwards. And, you know, I worked my butt off to get there, and suddenly it was over. I mean, it, it was over in one day. I was not actually on the air when the accident happened. Our show had been canceled because the radio station moved to sports talk for a while, but I had offers from all over the country, and suddenly my career in talk radio was ended literally in 10 seconds. Wow. I had, to re- I had to reinvent myself. And when I finally recovered and the, the horrible noise in my head went away, I asked myself, well, you know, what am I going to do now? I mean, I'm, I was in my 30s. I had to make a living. Um... What was I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I uh, I do know a lot about media. And so I started to do some media coaching. And the publishing industry already knew me very well because they used to pitch, you know, thousands of authors to be on my show. So when we hung out our shingle in the media coaching sphere, we were immediately successful And then I got discovered by corporate America, which was really, really great. Again, that's something I can't even take any credit for. That's a story in and of itself. And then Harv Ecker, the Canadian producer of seminars, hired me to be his media coach. And by way of thanking me when I was done coaching him and he had a New York Times bestseller, he said, look, I want to thank you. I could do one of two things. I could either pay you or I could give you an opportunity to be on my seminar stage and we'll see how you do. Wow. And uh, I did pretty well. And, you know, the rest is history. I've been on that stage for the last, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years. I mean, I'm one of the veterans of what was called Peak Potentials and Success Resources for a long time. It now has a new name, which is New Peak. So uh, talk radio changed my life. Corporate America changed my life, and Mm -hmm. the seminar circuit, the seminar circuit changed my life. Well, that's fantastic, Joel. I mean, what a journey. Do you ever sit back and think, is this really me? Is this really my life? You must think that every every so often. I think it every day. Yeah. 
And so for all the different hats that you've worn uh, within your career, what do you get most jazzed about? What brings you to life more than anything you've ever done? You know, that's a really, really, really good question. And I'll put it this way. Not long ago, I had finished one of our company's language of impact seminars in Los Angeles. And we were on the 18th floor of the Marriott Hotel down the block from the Los Angeles airport. And after the seminar was over, I was in the elevator going down. And there was a woman from my seminar that was in the elevator with me. And she said, you know, I've just spent three days with you. And to call you a communications coach or a communications consultant doesn't really describe it. You're, you're something a lot deeper than that. In your own mind, how do you look at yourself? Mm. And I blurted something out that I had never said in my life at that point. Something just kind of escaped my lips, and it's the best answer to your question. I looked at her and I said, I'm a digger for divine deposits. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's what I think. I think I am a digger for divine deposits. I am someone who will sit down with a client, maybe on stage in front of a room. It could be a room of 40 people. It could be a room of 10,000 people. And I will sit down with someone and I will work with them to find that divine deposit in them, to find that God-given gift in them, to find that singular signature in them. I will work with them to find that and to bring it to the surface. I will work with them to give them access to that and then a way of articulating that. And I think that every human being, this is my own spiritual belief, and you know, people can agree or not agree, but here it is. I believe that every human being has a unique God-given constellation of gifts. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that every one of us does have a sort of a divine summons that has been issued in our name. And I think that the divine summons cannot be shunned except at violence to yourself. Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So that's, but, that's really, Lisa, what I do. I mean, you know, you could say, well, I'm a guy who teaches people how to talk. That's true, but it's a lot deeper than that. Of course it is. Of course it is. And what I would be interested to know from you, Joel, is, uh, you know, putting the obvious big names and success stories and the people who have clout and who have money who would be able to hire you aside, uh, what, what person who you have worked with who would be classified as a non-household name, what is the biggest, uh, success story and when i say success i mean people define that very uh differently it's it's a very individual interpretation but in terms of somebody who you had the pleasure or the honor to work with who wouldn't necessarily be household uh recognizable by name um what was it you brought out of them that just morphed them into the reality they were supposed to to be on to be in to be existing within to be you know off the charts there was a woman in, there was a woman in Brooklyn named Julie named Julie Metz. And Julie Metz came to us referred by her publisher. 
And she had written an intensely personal memoir called Perfection. And you talk about unheard of. She like perfected being unheard of to a high art. <laughs> she lived in this uh, basement apartment in Brooklyn. She was, I think, a graphic artist. She was nobody's idea of an extrovert. She was a dyed-in-the-wool introvert, but she had written this very intimate memoir of her marriage called Perfection. And it was a dramatic story because her husband, who was very young at the time, dropped dead in front of her in their kitchen. And only after he died did she later find out that he had been having an affair with her best friend for quite some time. Wow. So she was an introvert. She didn't want any media. She didn't want to go near it. And her publisher called me up and said, you have got to media coach this woman because we think if she can get comfortable that this book is a bestseller. So she came to one of our Language of Impact seminars, and we worked with her for three days. And then I worked with her privately. And then she went on, it was either the Today Show or Good Morning America, and it was really, really a wonderful interview. And a certain woman by the name of Oprah happened to watch that interview. Wow. And Oprah said, I want this woman on my show. Mm -hmm. So Julie Metz went on Oprah and she became a very big bestseller with a, you know, a very lucrative contract for a second book. So that would be just one. I mean, I got, I'm sure, you've, I'm sure you've got tons. But that's I, got a, I got a million examples, but that would be just one example. And I'll give you another one too. Now that I come to think of it. Okay. Um, the chicken soup for the publisher, uh, chicken soup for the soul publisher, the then publisher, at that time was Health Communications. And uh, they had a book, which was not a chicken soup book, called The Seven Worst Things That Parents Can Do. And the authors, John and Linda Friel, were a, uh, they were both clinical psychologists. And they had written this really interesting book called The Seven Worst Things That Parents Can Do. And they had auditioned twice for Oprah, and the producers said, forget it. And finally, the producers called up the publisher and said, look, we love the book. We don't love them. <laughs> you know, they're boring. They're dry. They suck. They're not commensurate with their message. Sorry. And and the publisher, the marketing director at the publisher, very nice woman named Kim Weiss, begged the producer. She said, look, I want you to give these authors one more chance in an hour and a half from now. And Oprah's producer said, fine. I mean, I'm telling you, there ain't no chance this is going to happen, but fine. So they called me. They called me up and they said, you need to work with these people in the next hour. Mm -hmm. Like now. So I did. And what I coached them to do was to stop being clinical psychologists and start being parents. They were also parents. Mm -hmm. So I juiced them up and I got them away from this academic hyper-intellectual language, and I got them into their hearts speaking as parents. So that took about an hour. And then Oprah's producer called them back, talked to them for 10 minutes, not only booked them for, for Oprah, she booked them for the entire show and built the entire show around their book, and it became a mega bestseller. Wow. 
So that's an amazing story. This just is, you know, it's like I told you yesterday when I was working with you a little bit, you got to be who you actually are. And who you actually are is who makes the difference in life. Absolutely. And I was so grateful for that opportunity to have that Skype meeting with you, Joel. And uh, it was quite hilarious. <laughs> you know, uh, you... I just, I love how raw you are. And, uh, for anybody who, uh, would be surprisingly not have any familiarity with who you are, at least to know that your name is recognizable. I mean, you're just, you put it out there. And, um, and I just, you had me in hysterics during our Skype meeting. And, um, you know, I had to have some pretty thick skin to laugh at some of what we were talking about because, you know, you nailed me to the wall on something. <laughs> And it was one of my previous videos. It was last year, and uh, it had been through a YouTube video that I had done. And, um, you know, I was talking about passion because, of course, anybody who's followed me, uh, this all came about, which is our connection through the Passion Test, co-authored by Janet and Chris Atwood. And uh, so I had done a, bus- a behind-the-scenes interview to talk about my journey. And, uh, unfortunately, I was sick, and a lot of things that did not, were not congruent with my message which came through in that video and it was one of probably the first things in researching me before going live on Skype call that you saw and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, I mean, the good news is your real personality, I mean, like who you're being now, who you actually are is lovely, you know, vivacious, engaging, articulate, fun, mischievous, juicy, sexy, all that cool stuff. But on that video, as I told you yesterday, you you looked like someone who was being investigated by a congressional subcommittee. (laughs) And, you know, you just didn't look like you were having a lot of fun. And there you were talking about the importance of joy, but you weren't looking entirely joyful. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Okay, but here's the good news. The good news in your case is who you really are is joyful, is engaging. And this is the thing. So, you know, it's my job. It's funny because before, you know, I, I talked about authors. I don't only work with authors. I mean, most of our work actually is with entrepreneurs and, I mean, corporations from Fortune 10, corporations all the way down to entrepreneurs. But but I remember when, when Chris and Janet Atwood had a book uh Recently, I, I'm, I'm spacing out on the title of it. I don't know. Maybe you remember. It was not the passion test. It's more. Hidden riches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's about the power of ritual. Mm-hmm. And I gave them the soundbite: "Rituals make things real." Mm-hmm. And one of my, uh, you know, real joys. One of the things that I just kind of squirm with delight about is. When I give somebody a soundbite, and, and for those who, who aren't familiar with the expression, a soundbite is just a punchy, pithy phrase, a sentence that kind of sums up everything. Um, when John Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, that's a soundbite. Things go better with Coca-Cola is a soundbite. So I gave Chris and Janet the, uh, the soundbite that, um, Rituals make things real, and it was really fun for me to see that the media excerpted that soundbite and played it by itself in various places. I remember one time when I was working in the pharmaceutical field, and I was working with a cancer doctor, 
and I was sort of the lead communications coach for this breakthrough cancer drug, and it really was a breakthrough because it was the first chemotherapy that could tell the difference between a healthy cell and a cancer cell. Wow. So my, you know, people's stomach linings didn't break down, their hair didn't fall out, they didn't get nauseated. I mean, it was really, really phenomenal. It it was the first so-called targeted chemotherapy. So I had this doctor that I was working with that was going to be on the Today Show the next day, and I gave him the soundbite. Um, for the first time in my career, I can offer a diagnosis and hope in the same sentence. Hmm. And it was really great because not only did he say that on TV, which was super cool, but get this. Later that morning, I'm in a cab in Manhattan and I'm being driven to the airport because my work on that particular project was done for the moment. And I'm being driven to the airport and I'm in the back of the cab with this Pakistani cab driver. And the news comes up, the national news comes up. And so I think this doctor, maybe he was on Good Morning America, so the ABC News comes up. And suddenly they're talking about this drug, and there's this quote from my doctor being broadcast all over the country, and he says, for the first time in my career, I can offer a diagnosis and hope in the same sentence. Wow. And I'm sitting in the back of that cab, and I said to that cab driver, that's my life! <laughs> So, so the cab driver says to me, but I don't understand, sir. Was that you on the television? And I said, no, but it's my line. <laughs> and, you know, no, it wasn't me, but it was me. And it's, it's just, it's really satisfying if I can give someone a strategy that gets them a book deal or a strategy that gets them on a talk show or a strategy that helps them be a bestseller or a strategy that helps them recruit venture capital or sell, you know, their product, their service, their creed, their cause, their candidate, whatever. If I can give somebody the communication strategy that will help them succeed in the world, that's that's what I live for. That's amazing. And uh, and what I want to touch upon, so I just would appreciate some clarity on this from your experience. So when people come before you, are these are these generally people who are already tapped into the fact that they know their gift? They just need you to further extrapolate it and bring it out and accentuate it so that it maximizes their message or their brand uh, or their plight? Uh, or are you sometimes working with people who you see something in and they don't necessarily see it in themselves? You know, I got to tell you something, Lisa. You ask good questions. Thank you. Have you ever thought of being a radio host? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. It was a wild idea, but I think you might want to become a radio host. Yeah, we should maybe talk about that on radio someday. <laughs> All right. So here's my answer to your question. It's a okay. brilliant question. My answer is both. Okay. So sometimes people come to me, they know who they are. They already have a manuscript. They already have a product. They already have a service. They already have a goal. They already have a vision. They already have a dream. They know who they are. Mm -hmm. However, 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 as I hope you can kind of understand our seminar space, is a really, really sacred space. And, and this is something that I just dearly, dearly love 
about what I do. You know, I loved talk radio. I was blessed to do it at a very high level. But I love what I do now more because I'm actually in the room with human beings. I can see them. I can interact them. I can touch them. They can touch me. Now, in that sacred space, stuff happens. Magic happens. And very often people who come in with one vision will come out with a new one that's actually either a deeper or a higher vision, depending on how you want to look at it. Or, or about a third of the people, believe it or not, who come into our seminars don't actually know what their next career move is yet. But they're smart enough to know that if they become better communicators, whatever market or whatever situation or context they want to go into, being a better communicator is going to empower whatever chapter is next in their lives. And and now I'll give you even a, a, a deeper example of this, if I may. Can I Absolutely. do that? Absolutely. Please do. See, here's the thing, Lisa. Sometimes people come into our space and they have disowned part of their past. Mm -hmm. they, they've discarded it. They've kind of disinherited it. You know, they've cast it aside. They think it's irrelevant. And... Very often people will come into our space and um, they used to do something, but now they want to do something else. And the first time this happened, a woman came in and I'm in the middle of doing the seminar and I look, you know, she was sitting in like the third row and I, I, and I, I just stopped in the middle of a sentence and I said, you look upset. And she said, I am upset. And I said, I'm certainly sorry if I'm upsetting you. She said, you're not upsetting me. I walked in here upset. And I said, okay, why are you upset? She said, because I've been doing the same damn career for 18 years and I don't want to do it anymore. But I have immense qualifications in that career. I don't have the same qualifications in my new career. And I, they have nothing to do with each other. And I feel like I'm totally starting over in life and I'm really bummed out about it. And and there are other people who are doing what I now want to do. And I don't know how to be unique with what I now want to do. And I said, well, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you now want to do? And she said, I now, I said, well, first of all, tell me, what did you used to do? And she said, oh, I was a financial consultant. And, you know, I was very successful. I've got my own condo at Venice Beach, California. I drive a BMW. I have no debts. I'm very successful. But I don't want to do that anymore. I said, okay. Now tell me what you want to do. She said, I want to counsel people on how to get over chronic fatigue. <laughs> wow. And I said, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're certainly right that on the face of it, they don't have much to do with each other. Mm -hmm. And she said, this is why I'm bummed out because she said, look, I cured myself of chronic fatigue. And now... Like there's an old expression, there was an old gospel song called Go Tell It on the Mountain. Mm -hmm. She said, now I want to go tell it on the mountain. I want to I want to tell people how to get over chronic fatigue. I want to share my story. I want to empower people. I want to show them how they can heal themselves from this. But there are other, and I want to write about it, but there are other books about this. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know how to be unique. So I said, 
please stand up. She said, okay. And I said, go to the front of the room. Come with me to the front of the room. And I want you to go to the blackboard. It was actually a whiteboard. And I said, I want you to take one of those markers. And for the next 60 seconds, I want you to write down all of the terminology as much as you can that you used in the financial field. And she said, what? I said, humor me. Just indulge me for a moment. I want you to write down terminology from the financial field. She said, okay. So she wrote down investments, dividends, resources, tax, yield, all this kind of stuff. You with me? Uh, this is brilliant. I know where this is going. Brilliant. And I, and I said to her, now, I want you to tell me how you got over chronic fatigue using that terminology. Mm-hmm. And there was this pause. I'll never forget this, Lisa, as long as I live. Mm -hmm. There was this pause. And suddenly she goes, okay, when you have chronic fatigue, there are certain things you can do, certain foods you can eat that tax your resources. On the other hand, if you know how to properly marshal and manage your resources, you can invest in things that yield dividends. And she did this whole spontaneous rift on how to get over chronic fatigue, riff, uh, on how to get over chronic fatigue that used a terminology that no one else on earth would ever think of using. Beautiful. And thereby her singular signature was born. So that's amazing. I love that story. And, you know, you, that, the light bulb went off for me with some things. So thank you for that. It just shows you that that's why I said the answer to your question is, you know, it's both. People come into my seminar. They know exactly what they want to do. They just want to be able to articulate it better. Right. But, but some people don't know what they want to do. And yet there is something about the sacredness of our space. There is something about that I call it our sacred teepee. When people are trying to communicate the agendas of their hearts, and I think your business should be an agenda of your heart, and when people are trying to communicate that, it's sacred. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm Jewish, and in, in biblical Hebrew, the word for work and the word for worship are the same word. And, and the word in Hebrew is avodah. You would spell it A-V-O-D-A-H, avodah. And it's interesting because when biblical Hebrew has one word with two different meanings, it's trying to tell us something. Absolutely. And what biblical Hebrew is trying to tell us is not that you should worship your work. No, that's a very American thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's saying the opposite. It's saying that optimally your work should express your worship. And oh, that, wow. And that, you, you get it? I do. Ain't that lovely? It's beautiful. Yeah. And a couple more questions, because I'm just mindful of the time here, but I, I there's a couple things here I want to ask. So um, to what degree do you believe, based on what you've seen, or even from your own personal experience perhaps, you know, do, what's the connection for you? or the relationship between somebody's pain and their power? Well, 
Pain is the gift that you wish you would never received. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a really good example. When I got blasted 20 years ago, and ironically enough, something similar happened to me again four and a half months ago. When I got blasted 20 years ago, it was the end of my life as I knew it. I, it was, I mean, I'll be honest, I nearly offed myself. So we're talking the deepest pain I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I could go on living. There's no known cure for tinnitus. Mm-hmm. And it yanked me out of a career that I had fought for. It took an identity away from me that I had fought for. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Lisa, when I was Joel Roberts, KABC Radio, you know, that four-letter appendage after my name, K-A-B-C, made me important, right? Mm-hmm. Now I was nobody. And not only was I not on KABC anymore, I knew that I was not going to be able to go back on the air and wear headphones for 30 hours a week anymore. So my whole identity was crushed. And I had to confront that reality. And I had to really go deep in myself and learn that I am more than that person with that four-letter appendage after my name. Absolutely. And as a result, when I reinvented myself, I came into the work that I'm doing now, teaching seminars all over the world, large groups, small groups. I'll be honest with you. I love the stage. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie about that. Mm-hmm. I, I love the energy. But I also like working with individuals. I love that too. Mm-hmm. But the, the pain that I had gave me the power that I had. It, it was the divine summons that couldn't be shunned. It was that juncture in my life at which I had to say to myself, I'm either going to kill myself or I'm going to learn how to live differently. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm either going to wait till I'm better, which we don't even know if that will happen, or I'm going to see to it that I'm healed whether I get better or not. And so the re- I wouldn't wish pain on anyone. But the power that came from my season of purgatory is beyond my capacity to describe. And the gift that I feel now, we have recently moved from uh, Los Angeles to Nashville, Tennessee. And we love where we're living now. We've got this big, beautiful home. Nashville is kind of countrified. We're, we're about to do our first ever seminar in Nashville, whereas we've done most of them in Los Angeles and New York for many years. I feel very gifted by what happened to me. I wish I could hear normally again. I don't know that that's in the cards. I wish that I never had any noise in my ears. I don't know that that's in the cards. On the other hand, I feel like I was given a power from this pain that I probably could not have come to any other way. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That was very raw and personal. Thank you. And... um The other question that I would like to ask you, Joel, is when you're not on stage, when you're not helping other people with their careers, uh, when you have, when you're not on radio, when you're not in front of media, it's just you, what, what, what goes through your head? What are you thinking about? 
I mean, I have a very, very broad range of interests. You know, I spend uh, a fair amount of time every day. I read a lot. Um, I, I'm a storyteller. I want to write novels. I want to write screenplays. Mm-hmm. I, I love my wife. I love my eight-year-old daughter. I love our beautiful new home in Nashville. Um, I, I like the spiritual path that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because when I'm on stage, it, it's like a state of consciousness, but I don't experience in any other place. Mm-hmm. Something happens to me when I'm up there working with people. It's literally like vibrationally. It is a state of consciousness that is so laser focused and so completely in the moment. I mean, honestly, I'll put it this way since this is an audience of adults. It, it's equivalent to sex in terms of how in the moment it is. Mm-hmm. But when I'm not on the stage, I, you know, I'm kind of like a normal human being. Um, Thinking about sex. <laughs> yeah, well, there, well, hey, look, that, that never stops. Gotta get back on that stage. That, yeah, well, uh, either, either way I win, right? <laughs> right, there you go. But I have a very broad range of interests. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I love teaching. It, it, it just feels like I'm being put to good use, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the satisfaction of walking a path that, that puts you to good use is really an incredible satisfaction. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you enough for, you know, what you've brought to my life. And, um, you know, and there's no barometer for that in terms of, you know, length of time or history you have with somebody. I mean, you could know somebody your whole life and there's not necessarily any impact or influence that really drives you or embraces you. And for the short time in which we've spoken and connected, um, you know, I've been holding on to everything you say, and you've got punch behind every single word. And you're just, uh, energy is off the charts, and I love people like you. Uh, I try to have as many guests similar to your type energy on my show because I just love people who are living their purpose, people who get fired up about their lives. And you clearly are, and uh, for all the people that you have enriched their lives, enhanced their sense of self-awareness, um, gotten them on the right path that they were destined to be on i mean what a gift joel and you know i'm sure i'll just say thank you on behalf of everybody who you've ever come into contact with um just amazing what an amazing soul you are oh thank you thank you thank you and um you know may i give out our website yes i was going to ask you for that uh great um it's joel roberts j-o-e-l-r-o-b-e-r-t-s dot com or if anybody wants to email us, I actually read every email. Um, I have a very wonderful staff, but but I will be happy to read e- any email that comes in. Uh, info at Joel Roberts, again, J-O-E-L-R-O-B-E-R-T-S dot com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll return the compliment. I love your energy. And I think, by the way, that's kind of like the most important thing in life. I mean, really. Absolutely. You know, I want to hang out with people who have passion. I want to hang out with people who have energy. I want to hang out with people who are about 
service and contribution. I think I think it's perfectly great to make a lot of money being of service and of contribution. Uh, I don't think there's any contradiction between, I'll use a, a cliche, you know, material abundance and spirituality. I don't think they are at odds at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll return the compliment. compliment. What I love is sharing forums like this, anything, with with people like you. And, you know, if anybody has any questions that they want to email to us, I'll make sure that that my staff forwards them to me personally. And so I just, uh, you know, I thank you. Well, thank you, Joel. Thank you so very much. And we're just, unfortunately, I could talk with you forever, and I hope that we do have another opportunity to engage in a nice Skype call uh, and pick up a little bit where we left off. But um, anyway, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for yesterday. Uh, I'm sure the listenership here, the, the audience, is very grateful to have tuned in and uh, and just be reinvigorated because that's, that's what you bring to the table. You you reinvigorate people. You inspire people. You you know the fire underneath their feet. So thank you for that, Joel. Unfortunately, we've gone to wrap up here. Uh, perhaps we bring you back on the show at a later date if there's new announcements or anything else that you wish to share. Uh, but for the listening audience, I want to thank you once again for tuning into my show, Carpe Diem. I go live every Friday morning here at the Contact Talk Radio Network at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have any show topic ideas or if you wish to appear as a guest on my show, kindly email me at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. Hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Be well, be safe, and we'll see you back next Friday. Thanks again, Joel. All my best. God bless. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.